0: Hey, everybody, my name is John B. Saunders, and welcome to the Great Design League podcast. I am a creative director and founder of Five Four Digital, and currently I'm working on a few projects, the agency being our number one priority, as well as blackillustrations.com and our newest launch, startupillustrations.com. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm excited to talk to you, Emily. I'm ready to get this thing rocking.
1: What a perfect intro! Good? First oh. time,
0: awesome. <laughs> you only have to YouTube do one take. <laughs> that was good.
1: Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah.
0: awesome, well, awesome.
1: I was telling you how much I was looking forward to this. You and I have been chatting for for a little bit, and now we're finally talking face to face. And I was like so excited about it all day.
0: <laughs> oh no, likewise, likewise. I know it's been like a couple months of of this and that, but you know, <laughs> I'm really excited to jump on. I've seen I've seen the work and the things that you've been doing in the space, so I'm excited to have. To help in any way I can so if I can provide value to your community I'm, I'm all for it
1: absolutely yeah uh are you are you familiar with uh, the amount of research that I do on people ahead of time
0: no no I'm not I'm not is that is that a deep dive
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah so um so uh if you're if you're not familiar the um mostly when I talk to people here it's uh maybe like 75% more just about you as a person outside of work and, and, and your life and everything like that. Um. And so, yeah, for like uh, a while, I've been doing a deep dive on you and, and understanding who you are and everything. And but before we talk about work and before we talk about, um, I don't know, like who you are now, I actually saw your um, the, the book that you and your sister wrote about your mom. I thought that was really interesting and I wanted to hear more about it.
0: Oh wow, wow, that's the first time anyone's actually brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so interesting story. And you know, I feel like a lot of us just as founders we're balancing a lot, right? You you, you have this business, you have clients, and sometimes, you know, it's hard to balance that life with, with family life, you know what I mean? So a few years ago, my mom actually got sick and she ended up uh going to the hospital, was healthy her whole life, ate healthy. Exercised and she ended up getting uh, like a form of pneumonia. And she actually had to have uh, one of her uh, feet amputated and one of her, like, part of her arm amputated. Like, this was in the span of like about four or five months. So it was going into the hospital, st- spending a lot of time there. And she was a teacher for 34 years. So she always had like this positive demeanor and was always super motivating. So when that happened, it like it, it hurt our family a lot, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. And so it was, it was hard balancing the business doing that. And, you know, I'm super thankful for my team to be able to help me pick up the slack where it was needed and still, you know, provide for our clients and do a great job. And, you know, even to this day, my mom, she's just super strong. she motivates me every day. And, and it's just like to go through all that, and to still maintain her positive demeanor and still be the way that she is now is just amazing. And um, probably about a year and a half ago, this all happened probably three years ago, like maybe a year before COVID. And. Um, like a year and a half ago, I was like, "Mom, you know, you got to tell people your story. Your story is amazing." So, um, I was like, "Let's write a book. Let's do your memoir and just tell people your story." Because she's still the same person she is today, and she motivates so many people around her. And so every single week, I would sit down with her, and she journaled for a long time, most of her life. So she had all this content that we could be able to leverage. And so I was like, "Let's write your book." Sat down once a week for two hours, and I would sit down with her. And you know, this is being a business owner and balancing family life and doing all this. It was just a great time to learn so much about her and and learn about her childhood and it's basically her story from being an immigrant from Barbados coming to the United States and building a life for herself and her family and then doing all that and going through the trials and tribulations of life and then finally moving into her teacher role and I feel her being a teacher has just taught us as as her children to be able to be open accepting and then just always be willing to learn and absorb new skills and so we released the book. We didn't tell anybody about it. We released it to family, friends. And man, the uh, the response we got was just so amazing. You know what I mean? Because so many people were were proud. All her friends, all family, everyone loved it. Uh it was really great because I was able to hire like our, our photographer to take photos of her and just for her to tell her story. And uh yeah, she's even to today, she's a motivating factor for me as an entrepreneur, just as a man, you know, to have a, a mother like that in your life to even go through all that and still come out in a positive light. So the book is called "A Dawn of New" because you know it's a new version of herself. It's a new version of Dawn, and and uh, it's just great to see her her positivity. Now she's working on children's books and she's doing all this really cool stuff um, for the for the NBT community and disability community as well. So it's just really great to see.
1: What was that like to sit down with her for two hours? Because I'm I'm every week because I'm imagining that you're probably learning all of these things about her that you never knew about, and it might be. Like really emotional to hear these kinds of things.
0: Oh yeah, it was it was an emotional roller coaster because you know she's reliving reliving relieving. she's reliving all these things that happened in her life, especially leading up to the point where she had you know she was in the hospital for sixty days. She had to go through uh, physical therapy, you know amputations. When you're healthy and you're active your whole life and traveling and just uh, you know uh, basically the matriarch of the family you know and then boom this happens and family from all over the world are flying in to see her and and pay their last wishes they thought they weren't gonna she wasn't gonna make it so reliving all that was was difficult but now you know she looks back at it and she's so happy that she did it because now she has a documented version of you know her life her memoir you know and it's really great to see and go back and 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 be able to see how far she's come
1: was it at all different to go through this with your sister to have somebody yeah. else to talk to you about it,
0: oh yeah, I mean it was it, my sister we were, we're super close, we're about six years apart, but we we uh were really close, and thank God for her, you know what I mean because having someone like that as a support system, her, my wife, you know they were the two folks that just kept me grounded through this whole situation, especially because they're going through it too, you know, we're all pretty close to my mom, so it was a it was definitely a difficult situation and then even think about being a business owner like trying to keep your business going and, and being able to post content um that was helpful in kind of getting my mind off of you know negative and and things that I was thinking about but man it was it was definitely hard
1: and and when you had the book put together and you actually held it in your hand for the first time what was that like
0: oh man it was, it was <laughs> like we got it copied my mom just sat there she cried she was so happy to see it and uh and yeah she was just so grateful and excited that you know she was able to tell her story because i feel and she she always wished like her mom who passed like Mm. she was able to learn more about her because she always felt like she knew her but she didn't really know her Mm. so now we have literally this this time capsule of her entire life you know generations from now our family could read that and know exactly what she lived and went through i uh
1: i saw a photo that you went to to Barbados on a vacation and I think the comment under it was like hey look mom I made it so I I thought that there was something kind of sweet there
0: oh yeah you know it was it was uh it was definitely sweet because we you know we didn't grow up with a lot we didn't really travel much you know we grew up um, not with a lot you know but I felt like we always had that like that family camaraderie so I, I always felt like yeah we didn't have a lot but in regards to the family dynamic and that structure, we had everything we ever needed. You know what I mean? And so I didn't get to take those opportunities when I was young, getting to really travel uh, because my mom and my dad were trying to really make ends meet. You know, and my dad really struggled with substance substance abuse. So my mom was really trying to to take care of things and, and handle things as a family. And, you know, my dad was there, but he was a bit checked out, if, you know, if that's the right term. So childhood was difficult in that regard. But we never felt like it. You know, on Christmas, I remember getting Pokemon Red. I was a big Pokemon fan. and It was sold out everywhere. Somehow my parents got it. And even to them, like, Mom, how'd you guys do it? She was like, literally, like, we put that on a credit card and we just wish for the best. You know what I mean? And it was, you know, we never, ever, like, needed anything outside of that camaraderie. We had a great childhood. You know, we were able to spend time with friends and family. So when I was able to get older and be able to to make a bit more because... My family set me up, right? My parents set me up in, in pretty good schools the best that they could. Um, you know, my mom helped with college where she could. And I was able to build this life for myself. I was able to to do that Barbados trip. Last year, we did a trip. I took the whole family out to the Keys, which was really cool. So it's, uh, it's definitely eye-opening. And I'm grateful that I had that childhood to be able to make me, a bit, have, give me the ability to appreciate these things more. So my wife and I went on our first vacation after we had our son. This was like three years in. We went to Barbados and I'm sitting there like, wow, like my mom, like we made it.
1: <laughs> was there a moment where you could be present and and like kind of look around like it, almost as if sometimes when you go about life, everything's so fast and you're anticipating the next thing and you're not really experiencing it. Was there a moment where you kind of slowed down and you're like, oh, my God, I'm actually here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we were. Uh, the moment for me was when we were on a we were doing the kayak tour. We were out, you know, we had a couple of drinks, so we were feeling good. And then we watched the sunset from this kayak off the coast in Barbados, where there's like luxury million dollar condos. And it hit me like, wow, like this is, you know, sometimes you're working, like you said, you're working so much and you're so in the thick of it that you don't take time to sit back and be like, wow, like look what where we, how far we've come. You know what I mean? So that was that was a pivotal moment for me watching that sunset in Barbados off the coast in this catamaran, I think it's called. Did I say kayak? I'm I catamaran. If I say kayak, <laughs> and we're sitting back and we're watching the sunset like this is this is amazing
1: that's a beautiful moment
0: <laughs> absolutely most definitely man you're asking you asking the big question I, I wasn't prepared for you. you coming in hot right quick
1: <laughs> yeah. even people that listen to the podcast they come on that like i was not expecting this so i'm like that's okay
0: <laughs> wow no, that's awesome
1: well, you were you were talking about like christmas and uh growing up i i saw that one uh old picture of you holding the nintendo um yeah. uh, uh game and th- you looked so happy and it looked like it wasn't a polaroid but you can like tell it was like a photo that got developed and it, there was so much like nostalgia in it and so much joy and so I kind of wanted to learn a bit about like what that kid was like at that age
0: yeah yeah my my mom always said that I was pretty I was an introvert you know as a kid she's like you go when you would wake up on Saturday morning at like four or five years old And uh, so we had a one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn um, growing up. And so we had the one bedroom, and then there was like a partition that was like part of my room. So the one bedroom, but part of it was like my kind of space, right, as a kid. So they'd say, I wake up, I get my little breakfast, I'd sit down on a Saturday morning, and I just watch my cartoons. I was like super, um, I guess, like self reliant to a certain degree. And, you know, my mom always said, like, I didn't really give her a lot of problems or trouble. I was pretty introverted. I was a creative, so I like to write. I like to draw. That translates to where where I'm at today in my career. And as a kid, I was pretty. I was pretty chill. Yeah, you know, I, I guess you would consider me like a kind of a nerdy introvert.
1: And um, I think I I know now that you're super active and you do like Spartans and things like that. But I saw I saw this like uh I don't know how old you must have been, maybe like nine years old. There was like a basketball. Uh, photo of you and it was they mocked it up to make it look like a magazine I thought it was so adorable
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah that was great I uh, um, yeah so basketball has always been uh, a love of mine I'm not that great I'm 6'2 so you know it's like you're almost expected to to play basketball <laughs> but uh, I love playing it as a kid because when you're a kid and you're playing basketball it's all about the fun of the game and my dad was actually a coach of the team so he put me on the team and I was able to play uh, in 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 like a local like youth league and then they had that picture set where you pay and you can get like a frame in the magazine which I thought was pretty cool but yeah basketball has always been a great way that's one way that I was able to connect with my dad as well um, he's a huge fan of, of Michael Jordan so it was really great to see him in his prime and know what it takes to be great and what you do
1: yeah oh. were those like sweet memories for you like uh, basketball and and the and watching anime and playing yeah, Nintendo.
0: Yeah. It was great, because I was you no, know, I honestly like my childhood was great. You know what I mean? I was able to do so many cool things, and it it just equates to you know my parents how great they did considering what they had. You know what I mean? They didn't really have a lot, but we were still able to have a great childhood. We never wanted for anything, right? We never like so it was it was and if we were broke, we didn't know it. I mean, we knew it to a certain degree, I guess, but we always had what we needed. You know what I mean? And my parents made sure to enforce that.
1: Around that age of like the um, Nintendo Christmas Day age, <laughs> um, if I were to ask you, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you think that kid at that age would probably say?
0: I don't know. Probably, I would probably say an astronaut. Like at one point I wanted to be really? an astronaut. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was always into like creativity and sci-fi. Like I always loved like the planets and just learning about all of those things that have to do with with um with with astronomy you know what i mean and yeah. just being able to learn more about the stars and space and i always love sci-fi even to this day like i'm a huge like star wars marvel like multiverse all that cool like dynamic stuff neil degrasse titan um tyson as well like all his content is really cool so i'll probably say astronaut back then
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: At at that age uh I saw Star Wars for the first time. I think I saw Star Wars when I was in fourth grade. Wow. And after seeing Star Wars, I was like, I want to be a movie director. And that's what I wanted <laughs> to be.
0: <laughs> George Lucas, one of the folks. Yeah, um, and, yeah I, I feel you on that. Because I feel like that's going to be my next chapter. Like after this, I definitely want to get into film. Like I'm writing a novel right now. I want to write a screenplay. Really? Like those are some things that I want to get into in my next chapter.
1: Really? So, yeah. so what do you like about... um? I mean, I know, like, growing up, you watched cartoons. Like, what kind of movies were, like, really influential to you growing up? Oh,
0: man, there's so many. Um, I was, I've always been huge into sci-fi. So Star Wars, uh, the, the original, like, trilogy, well, the trilogy that came out in the 80s or 70s and 80s. So A New Hope, you know, Empire Strikes Back is probably one of my favorite, like, sci-fi movies ever, Return of the Jedi. Like, those are all, like, classic movies. Where a lot of the sci-fi tropes were taken from that um, Dune, you know, I read Dune, I read Sphere. I'm reading these books when I'm in like sixth, seventh grade, because um, I always liked just I don't know the supernatural and sci-fi. I guess that comes from that creative side of of growing up. What um, other movies that I love as a kid? I loved uh, Akira, which is an anime from the 80s. The, the design style and that like cyber like. Punk City slash was just so dope. The color palette was so cool. I was like one of my first VHS tapes. And my parents, you know, they saw was a the cartoon. They're like, "Oh, that's cool," but this thing was like people's heads getting, you know, it was it was it was bad. And then Ninja Scroll was another one that I loved as a kid. Yeah, uh, man, the original Dragon Ball, which is the OG. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I loved that growing up. What else? Uh, I don't know if you know about Reboot. You, you're you're pretty probably pretty young, but you don't probably don't know about Reboot um, and soon I, um Cartoon Network had this thing called, I think it was Tsunami, or Tsunami, Tsunami. Tsunami. Oh. They had, like, these really cool, they had, like, Dragon Ball Z, they had, uh, like, I think it was, like, Sailor Moon, just, like, classic animes, Escaflone was one, um, so I, those are the ones I grew up on, and it's so funny, I'm saying this now, but it's influenced a lot of, you know, who I am now as a, as an individual, even regards to, like, the creativity and, and being an agency owner, like, our overall aesthetic
1: my my one friend is really into um like the books uh the manga books and he was telling me how there was this like one I he don't remember which the name was but he was telling me there was this one where it's almost like every page in this book was like a masterpiece and wow. it was very detailed and everything like that and he has this bookshelf full of them and some of them like still have their their seal on them he's like oh wow. no oh man you gotta
0: you gotta <laughs> let me know which one that is yeah. <laughs> also, that's awesome that's awesome uh,
1: which is the so I watched one as a as a kid that I really yeah. loved and I'd watch over and over again and I'll give you a description in a second but the uh uh the other one that I watched recently was uh One Punch Man it's so okay. I love that one
0: yeah One Punch Man is great I haven't watched it I have the mangas <laughs> that I haven't read yet but um but I've seen like the memes and yeah it looks it looks great it looks great <laughs> and uh his name is Saitama right the main character the bald headed guy
1: yep yep yeah right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, that's, I that heard it's great. I'm, yeah. I'm waiting. So now it's like, I'm reading a lot of books, so I don't get a chance to read the manga. So now I'm like mm-hmm. TV shows. So it's the same thing for, um, some of the shows are done really well. Like I heard one punch man, the anime is done really well. I've heard the same thing with, um, with uh, demon slayer as well. Like it's almost like an, like an exact replication of like the manga, like frame for frame. So that's really cool.
1: Wow. The, the one that I remember, um, from watching as a kid, it was, I think it was the one that was like a delivery, something, uh, it was a delivery Oh, girl.
0: delivery service. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So there's, a, <laughs> there's, a, um, there's a production company called studio Ghibli that released like all these just beautiful, like so, so, so well done. I actually have the the book right here in the back. Um, really? All my favorite like studio Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can see it here. Um, it's a really cool, it's just an art book. Um. Shoot, I might be downstairs, but yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, they did Princess Mononoke. Um, what's it called? March of the Firefly. Wait, let me, let me see. And the the great thing about it is all the films are on HBO Max. Really, so watch like all their classics. So Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke. Um, there's actually a museum in uh, in Japan too. So my son, he's like he likes loves like uh, noodles, right? That's like yeah. his favorite meal. So he <laughs> got Pokemon too, which we I don't even know how he got into it. He saw it on Netflix one day and just started watching it. So he he's a big fan of Japanese culture too. Like even like the flavors and, and like, the, um, like sauces like that and West Indian food, which is like from Barbados are like his two favorite things. So it's kind of cool to see that kind of transfer to him. Maybe it's like a subconscious thing. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he sees me kind of watching it and I try not to watch the the anime around him because you know it's like super like it looks like it's for kids and then you see people getting their heads chopped off it's like a little bit too far.
1: Oh, PG thirteen. Yeah, he'll get there soon.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You stick to like Pokemon and some other some other more uh, simple stuff for him.
1: Uh, when I was a kid obviously it was before Netflix or any streaming services um but uh we we had this this bookshelf um with all of these VHS tapes of what we could watch so that was our Netflix um and so uh, <laughs> uh I think we had at least four of those Pokemon uh VHS tapes yes <laughs> I think it was like Pokemon like 3000 or something like that <laughs> oh yeah I remember that one <laughs> I
0: think that one, the one with like YouTube and it was like kind of like it was 2D, but it had, like, 3D, like, effects in it. I think I remember that. I think yeah.
1: I remember. Yes. I remember uh, um, turning back the VHS, but you couldn't look because it would spoil the movie, even though you've already watched the
0: movie. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. You're bringing back memories. <laughs> memories.
1: <laughs> so, um, you you were talking about, uh, um, like, what it was like at that age, um, and one thing experience that you have that that I don't have is that um you're you're a parent and I was wondering um when when you did have your son um did that kind of change the way that you look back at your own childhood like wow like this is what it's like to be a parent like I have a totally different perspective now what what is
0: this yeah yeah it just it, it really showed me like you know when we're kids we think even growing up we think our parents have all the answers and they're always you know right or they they always have But a lot of times parents, you know, they're really just they're growing with us. You know what I mean? And we got to give them a little bit of leeway because they're learning as they go. Also, I even feel like even now, like as a parent, it might be a little bit easier just because we have more resources. You know, if you want to learn certain things, you can search Google, you can find articles, you can find actionable research that you can take and be able to make applicable to what you're going through or any issues that you might have. So I feel like back then it might have been even harder because you don't really have that guidance. You know, people weren't getting like therapy and things like that, especially in my community. Um, So now I feel like you have more options and I don't know if it's necessarily easier, but you definitely have more accessibility to resources that can help you be a better parent. Mm,
1: Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine that maybe one day when I, when I get to that point, um, I might look back on my childhood and be like oh my gosh like how did they do it like that was so hard (laughs) like when you're talking about when you're talking about your own mom like uh um coming to the us and and everything like that like to me i i if i'm not a hundred percent secure i think that it's like an impossible task and then i hear the story with your mom and i'm like how did that's amazing (laughs) It's,
0: it's it's remarkable it really is
1: yeah and so we're we're talking kind of like about um you at age like maybe thirteen or fourteen or around that that basketball
0: uh
1: headshot. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I so, gotta find that picture. I don't know where you found it, but <laughs> <laughs> man, you, really, you really did your research, Emily. I appreciate it. This is this is great.
1: Yeah. Um. So I when I, when you were a little kid, you wanted to be an astronaut, and you thought that um space was was cool, and Neil and deGrasse Tyson was awesome (laughs) and when you were around like middle school high school age were there any changes in kind of what you thought you wanted to be or what you were interested in
0: yeah I was I was always into like creative stuff I I wasn't huge into basketball and sports like I I did track I did basketball in like ninth grade Mm -hmm. um but I wasn't huge into it as as much as I I thought I would be and my growth spurt was late too so I didn't really grow until I was like 16 17 and I hit that spurt um and I used to play like basketball, like pickup games, like locally and stuff, but I was really just into like the creative art. So writing. So I had, I used to write short stories, really? um, draw. I loved to play video games. And, uh, I was, I was, I always loved the outdoors and fresh air swimming. Like those are the things that I was, I was, I was really passionate about. And even in regards to like that sci-fi side, like I was always into science fiction and, and cool things like that in regards to like what I was watching and, and looking at. And the ecosystem around me, like, was like that. Like, my friends were the same. Even my cousin, who I'm closest to, was like my brother, um, is was the same. And I was pretty much kind of an introvert because my sister was so much younger. You know, I couldn't really hang out with her at that time. Like, we're close now. Now that we're both, like, you know, 30 plus. But back then, you know, it was hard to really relate to her because she was so much younger. But I still tried to hang out and be able to have as much time as I could then. But as a teenager, those were pretty much... Things I was doing, you know what I mean—writing, drawing, you know, hanging out with friends when I could—and that was that was pretty much it.
1: Do you remember what you used to like to write about?
0: I used to I used to write short stories about just like adventures of like kids with superpowers and things like that. So that was pretty much my outlet. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the series. But I wish I still had them. I think I still I think my mom still has some of like the uh, the pictures or or not the pictures, but like the the books that I used to write the series. But yeah, it was just adventures of kids like with like supernatural powers type of thing.
1: And and I'm guessing it was like handwritten at that age. Yeah, yeah right?
0: handwritten, yeah, because all oh, you're trying to say I'm old, huh?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I was just imagining like going going back to it, opening up and like seeing your handwriting and almost like at, at that at that point you're kind of like, Oh, this is me in middle school. Like that's almost like a totally different person. Yeah, and yeah. you're kind of sharing that same experience by looking at the thing that he wrote.
0: So true. So true. Yeah. I wish I still had those, those books. I don't even know where they are now.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> and so um, some of my, my favorite things to ask people, um, which I think is a really interesting point in, in your life is uh, kind of like the end of high school. You have maybe like 12 years where things were kind of always, you knew what was going to happen, you knew, but the next year was going to be like, everything was pretty, um, uh, Regimented, I think for most people that go to school, <laughs> and then the last time uh the summer before going on to your next adventure or like the last six months of of school um what was that like for you like what were you looking forward to? What were you worried about?
0: yeah, the end of high school i was I was a little nervous, I was still pretty shy and introverted back then, uh outside of like my friends and family and I was I had gotten into a school called FAU, which is in South Florida. I live in South Florida, so it's about maybe an hour north. And once I got in, I was like, you know, I'd love to live on campus to really experience that. You know, I live at home currently, so I was like, I'd love to do my my first two years, or at least you know, two or three years there. And that was pretty much what I decided. So I was I was nervous, of course. But I was excited to to kind of get out on my own. And I was still close enough to see my family because I'm pretty family oriented like I like like my mom lives 20 minutes away. My wife's mom lives 20 minutes away. So like even days like today with my son going back to school next week, we just dropped him off at my mom's house. So He's going to hang out with her. Um, he loves board games and those types of things and she always loves to play with him. So Being in close proximity to family has always been a priority for me. And it's it's pretty popular in like West Indian culture. So when you think about like Barbados, people from Barbados or Jamaica or Haiti, a lot of times the families are pretty close-knit. And so that was something I always wanted to enforce. And so I go home like every other week, but I was close enough to be in proximity where I had like that freedom to live on campus and really enjoy that college life and still be able to connect with my family back home. So I spent two years up at FAU living on campus, and you just learn a lot about yourself when you're when you're kind of on your own, right? And I was, you know, partying, doing work, balancing that that lifestyle. It was it was cool for me because it was it was you know I was home for so long to be able to branch out like that. I learned a lot about myself and and who I was as an individual, and I was able to come out of my shell a little bit, you know what I mean? And so it really helped me get a wider world view on just people and perspective. And I had a roommate, which was actually, I went to high school with, we we got a room and it was two two guys to each room, right? And he was like, well, let's switch and see how we experience, you know, do- well, he suggested that. I was like, nah, man, you know, we don't know these guys, you know, it could be weird. He was like, nah, man, let's do it. So we switched and him and his roommate, like, were really, like, <laughs> had issues. And then myself and my roommate, like, got super close. So we were, like, cool, we were vibing. And he was, like, they're having issues in the other room, fighting, banging doors. Like, I'm like, man, what is happening? So... It was it was cool to see the dynamic of how I could be around other people and and be able to to learn more about folks and I just learned to to really listen more and just try is my hardest to really learn more about people and, and be an effective person in that in that environment
1: so if I'm understanding it you you grew up most of your life in Brooklyn and then sounds like your family moved to Florida
0: no so actually okay. um, I, we moved to florida when i was about seven so i oh, okay. any time in new york and then when we moved to florida i pretty much a floridian so once we moved here i spent my whole life here i'm 36 now so the rest of that time has been spent in florida
1: yeah so that that friend of yours um really like took one for the team
0: <laughs> Yeah, <he> was, <laughs> man, it was so funny too because i was that first year and then the next year we actually got different dorms and I had a different roommate, he had a different roommate, but we still saw each other, you know, we're still pretty close. um, And, uh, you know, it kind of worked out that way, but it was, it was cool to experience that.
1: Yeah. I I did feel that way too, when I went to to college. So I, I don't know. I think the way that I grew up, I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania and like the suburbs of Pennsylvania and uh you're kind of surrounded by a lot of people who are very similar to you in terms of like um you're you're not having increased like an immense crazy wealth and an immense poverty as sometimes happens in cities and so I kind of had this idea that everybody kind of had what I had or like what I had was pretty normal and then I went to college and then I met people from like all over the world I met um people from totally different. Um, like I don't know I had friends from Eastern Europe I had friends from um, Haiti and it was so cool to, to meet everybody and it was one of those moments where you go wow you really don't know what you don't know
0: <laughs> oh, true. yeah so, it's, it's 100% true and, and that's why like for me like I'll never necessarily bash college because I feel like it's a great learning experience to just be able to acquire other worldviews about other cultures and just learn and get to know people and, and do your thing kind of on your own especially if you can get like a scholarship and you don't have to pay for it or you can get some type of assistance in that way I think it's you know I think it's a great experience for our industry I don't necessarily think it's the best route just because there's so many resources online where you can get premium courses for you know Say forty thousand before it was like you go to art school, you pay fifty thousand, and you you know you do your thing. Now you can take courses for five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, five thousand dollars at max. That could teach you everything that you need to know uh, to be able to excel in this space. And Fang isn't the only option, right? Facebook and all those bigger platforms aren't the only options now. You have all these agencies popping up that give us the opportunity to do amazing work. So yeah, college is great for the experience, and especially if you can get it paid for. You know, but if you got to come out of pocket and you don't necessarily know what path or what you want to do, you know, I don't know if it's the best option. So, just wanted to kind of uh, push that in there. And then my degree was in public communications, which to this day, I, I guess I kind of understand it. I was an introvert. So, I was like, okay, let me try and do something that'll get me out there. Plus, the curriculum was like easy. So, <laughs> we'll throw that in there that college was not that difficult for me because of my career. So, <laughs> and I was studying design and UI, UX back then, you know, oh, while really? I was going to school um which was which they didn't really have like a degree for it back then so yeah
1: would you remember what they called it at that point
0: I, I was studying it like on the side so i was watching youtube videos i was learning web design and development um but they were calling it like a marketing like degree um it was it was weird
1: Huh. they weren't even calling it web design they're just calling it like general yeah
0: i don't I don't even know because i didn't i didn't take any classes like in regards to that while i was in school i was mostly doing like public communication classes which are like speaking and and i don't know world i, I couldn't even name like two courses to be honest <laughs> and then on the side i was learning web design and wordpress i was learning html css just like watching youtube videos mm-hmm.
1: um I always ask people, sometimes they don't remember this day in their life, but um, when you moved into college and and you said you were there in person, um, do you remember the first night where you were like in bed and thinking, oh, wow, okay, I'm here now. Like, this is my new life. This is real now.
0: Yeah, it was. was, was So the first day I got to college, I was so excited. Like my roommates were there. We were all chilling, getting to know each other. And I was just like, wow, man, like this is real. Like this is going to be my life for the next few years and i was just excited i was nervous to to the point where it's like okay i don't know what to expect but i was i was really excited i do remember that
1: and so you you start school you start your your communication classes and so where did what like just just walk me through like what that was like for you so you were starting without knowing much about UI, UX or web design, and then this interest popped up and then you're watching videos online, you're learning development so, on your own.
0: So I actually started like, so I went to school at 18. I graduated like three and a half years, but I I was into copywriting. So I read this book, Ogilvy on Advertising, which is a classic like ad book by David Ogilvy, who's this admin during the fifties and sixties, who did like these really pivotal ads from Volkswagen you know, Marlboro, like some really like pivotal stuff. And that's when I got into copywriting. So I was always into, I had this creative side. I always like to write. And I felt like copywriting could be a good career for me. Now, copywriting now, people still copyright, but it's transcended into so many different like opportunities. But back then I actually worked at the bank. So I worked at Bank Atlantic. Um, and oh, I think this is, so I did two years in college. And then when I came home, I think I was like 19. Because then I, I did two years in college and I came home to do the last two years. And I was working at Bank Atlantic, which is a bank down here in South Florida. And I really wanted to get into the marketing department. I started as a teller and then I actually became a personal banker. But I really wanted to get into marketing, and copywriting. So I was applying to like all these agencies and I couldn't get a job. I applied to like 30 plus agencies. I ended up getting two internships at agencies, which, you know, I'm working 30, 40 hours a week unpaid, plus working my job at the bank for like 20 hours or more a week. And so, yeah, back then internships were were rough. Like you'd run and get coffee, do all this stuff. And I was driving my 95, like beat up Toyota Tercel to this place and work, you know, when I could. And so, um, but I was really into copywriting and advertising. So I was reading a lot of books, going to the library, reading and learning. And I actually created like my own portfolio book of like mock ads. And I went to the marketing department at the bank and said, hey guys, you know, I'd love to work with you. What can I do? And they let me in a couple meetings, but it was nothing. They wouldn't give me a position, a job or anything. And I was like, okay, well, let me just keep applying. So I kept applying the jobs while I'm working at the bank. While I'm at the bank, I'm moving up in my position. I finally landed a job at an agency that hired me. It was a small seven person shop in Fort Lauderdale, which is about 30 minutes north. And so I get this job and I'm like, oh man, I finally made it. And I was doing social media and doing WordPress updates for them. That's when I really owned in and, and focused on, on web design, um, just user experience creating interfaces. That's when I really got excited about it. And I ended up staying at that job for close to four years, but I was digital marketing director. So not only was I doing web design, but I was doing Facebook ad campaigns and all these different things in their infancy. So this is when Facebook ads first launched. This is when all these like ad companies were just popping up and I was doing a good job and actually became marketing director. So we ended up going from a seven person team to like a 25 person team. I had four person on my team that I was managing. And so while I'm doing that, I just always passionate about UI, UX, and web design. Like, that's where I was really focused on. The other things I did because it was part of my job, but I really wanted to kind of focus on that. And I was there for close to four years, and I just learned so much in that experience working at that job. And I always recommend people that want to break into this space work for someone else, like work at a great agency, work at a great company, because you're getting paid to acquire all these amazing skills that you can then leverage on later in your life. So you don't necessarily have to come out of the gate being an entrepreneur. You can work for someone else, get a salary, get benefits, uh, increase your skills. And then if and only if you're ready or if you even want to, you can branch out on your own. You know, you can work for someone and do really well for your entire life and still be well off and do your thing. So I know I'm going off on a tangent. But after that was when I like really ventured into entrepreneurship.
1: So you you were saying a little bit about like how maybe some people who are just coming out of school or just coming out of uh school college or high school like there's you said that there's like this pressure for somebody to like be an entrepreneur like right out of the gate do you feel that
0: yeah i mean especially now like i feel like if people have skills like oh you're working for somebody else you're you're creating someone else's dream blah 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 which i don't think is true at all i, I believe that everybody has the opportunity to, to work for someone else and learn and acquire skills and you can do that for as long as you want, you know, not, you know, you, not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. I know plenty of people that work for companies that do an amazing job that excel at their careers that don't necessarily even break into entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? They, they, they love having that solidarity of having the career benefits and being able to create amazing work for a company that they believe in.
1: I feel like, uh, I mean, maybe non-Americans might not understand what we're talking about, but like, do you ever feel like there's a pressure to, uh if you want to go and be an entrepreneur the idea that you have to do it by age 26 because otherwise you won't have health insurance um like there, there's that whole added pressure that some people don't like for anybody who doesn't know we're talking about most insurance companies you're like on your parents insurance um until you hit the age of 26 and at the age of 26 you're kicked off and you have to go find your own way of taking care of yourself medically <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's especially in the U.S. because we don't have universal health care, right? We're pretty much yeah. on our own. The, the good thing about nowadays, they definitely have more startups and more programs that make it more accessible to get health insurance for folks that are starting up a company and are entrepreneurs. Uh, myself, you know, it's me, my wife and my son. So our insurance is pretty expensive every month. You know, not everybody can afford, you know, $1,000 plus on their health insurance. But they have a lot of uh, programs now that are a bit more affordable, especially for for entrepreneurs starting out. I believe you can do it at any age. And I've also always believed in like that slow kind of transition, not saying, okay, I have a great job now. I'm just going to quit and go full full throttle on entrepreneurship. Nowadays, it's a, a bit easier to segue. And so that goes into like my story. When I was at that agency for four years, I had built up some side businesses because we worked in the automotive advertising industry. I was able to source like local clients that I was helping with like SEO and little projects there. And I was able to get to like, I think 1500 or 2000 monthly recurring revenue. Now, now that doesn't seem like much, but that was what I needed to be able to cover my bills and expenses at that time. Cause it was just myself, my wife, and we had our own townhouse and our mortgage was like so cheap. So that 1500 to 2000 was more than enough to cover those expenses um and, and be able to to live okay. You know, we weren't going out to eat every day, but we were able to to um to live. And so I actually took a part-time job at an exotic car rental company and helped them with web design and SEO. So I worked there from like nine to two Monday through Friday. And then I had my side business. So I was I was okay to make that transition. I didn't go full throttle into entrepreneurship. And so when I did that, I was able to build my skills even more and pick up more side business where I got to the point where I was like, okay, now I can go to this exotic car rental company and say, hey guys, I can't work in the office five days a week. I can come in three days a week. And they agreed to that. And then it got to two days and then it got to, okay, you guys can become my client and then I'll manage all your stuff remotely. And they were like, okay, you know, we trust you, you've been with us like a year or so, that's fine. And I did that for a long time for them. And now I was at that point where I had enough recurring income. I had my client base and I was able to make that full transition into entrepreneurship. So for folks out there that have a full-time job that want to do this, you can always moonlight, right? You can work on your off hours, work on your side hustle um, and and start to build that income. So that way, if you do want to transition to full-time entrepreneurship, you can. And I know plenty of people that have full-time jobs that have like a side hustle that does well and they run both, you know, it really depends on your end goal. And I don't believe that others outside telling you how to run your life um should have anything to do with that especially when remote work is so adaptable now
1: that all makes so much sense but i also feel like that took a long time to learn
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i agree i agree yeah it's it's a lot and and also it can become overwhelming right if you're working a 9 to 5 and then let's say you have Kids or you have a significant other and you want to be able to have time with them, how much time are you really getting outside of like your work, right? And you need time, especially as a creative, to have that off time where you have time to think and use those creative juices. Because if you're working nine to five and then five to six, you eat dinner and then six to 1 a.m. you're working on your other business, you're not going to have that balance to be able to reset and refocus.
1: Looking back on uh, you at the at the bank, when you were first starting out like constantly saying hey like i'm really interested in this uh i would love to be involved in anything please let me in (laughs) since you're now in a a position in which people would come to you and maybe ask you hey like i'd love to be a part of your team all all of that when when you look at who you were at that time do you think you would have had any advice for yourself or do you think you would have hired that kid
0: Yeah, like now like and it's so funny you say that cuz now it has me thinking Emily like so for example our visual design lead his name is AB when we brought him on I he was basically working on like brand identity so he wasn't even doing like wireframes or or low high high fidelity wireframes but I saw that he had talent and he knew really how to use the the platforms that we had and I saw that he had a great aesthetic look so I figured I was like hey what are your thoughts on creating wireframes he was like ah oh, I don't know I've never done that before I was like, well, I feel like this is teachable, right? We can, you have the fundamentals of design, and you have a, a, the eye, and you have the structure to build out these. I think we can teach you, and and you be able to benefit from those skills. Because for me, I feel like a lot of this stuff can be taught, right? Someone can come in and not necessarily have a hundred percent of the skills, but maybe they have a certain aspect or a thing that they're really great at that I see potential in, I believe that can be moved into other things. So for me, I'm always open to that opportunity because like I said, for me, no one really gave me that chance. Well, yes, one person gave me that chance and I was able to get into the agency and do my thing. And they always look more so at the person's character and their dynamic in regards to the agency as opposed to their skill set, because skills, especially if you have the fundamentals, can be taught and you can acquire new skills as you move forward.
1: My my friend and I uh, both went to school for graphic design and that's how we met. She's a year younger than me. And after we finished our internships, we looked at our old portfolios from back early, maybe like midway through school. Um, And we looked at those portfolios and we went, Oh my God, how did anyone hire us? Like, we're so much better now than we were then. (laughs) And I just think like these, these people had so much faith in me.
0: (laughs) Exactly. exactly. And that's, no, you're facts. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I think that like great leaders do that. You know, they look at it from a perspective of wow, this person has a great outlook, right? They're positive, they're always willing to learn. I think that if you have like an eye, you have it. You know what I mean? And that, though, all these skills can be taught. And now A B, he's our visual design lead. He works only on our highest like level projects. Mm-hmm. Um, he just finished a, a VC design that just came out phenomenal and you know 3 years ago he wasn't even doing this so it's just great to see that 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 we gave him the opportunity and he ran with it
1: if um if you were to to come and apply for for your agency as if you were a stranger to you at that age <laughs> uh like a little time traveler kid do you think you would have hired you or do you think you would have had some really helpful things to say
0: Ooh. That's a good question. (laughs) ah Man, I don't know. I think that I would like to think that I would, but I don't know if I was too new in the space that if I would have hired myself, I I probably would have been a different role and then like moved to a different position. But I try to really put myself in the shoes and perspective of someone that's coming in that's hungry. And we've hired people before that we saw like their work and the work wasn't stellar, but they had like this, too like ready to go attitude where I was like, you know what, you know, this is something that we can, that we can learn. And then you have sometimes you have people that have a great portfolio. You hire them and then they're like, you're like, what happened? Like, <laughs> why isn't, <laughs> why isn't this moving how you moved before? So it's, it's, it's really, man, it's, it's hard. And I'd say that's probably the hardest part of my, my, my job is finding and just making sure that I'm helping people excel and, and facilitating that, that gap between, hey i want to come work for you and hey you're like i'm an expert
1: mm. sometimes uh the rejections in life are almost more important than they that they happened than if that person were to accept you before you were ready to do that thing there was a point in my life where i was i graduated from school and i wanted to go and work at uh uh EY design studio. It was like the most I thought it was like the golden place. It was it was like the best place to go for uh um experience design in Philadelphia. And I got through all these different interviews and then I didn't get the job obviously because I had like no experience and I I should have not been interviewed. They were just being very nice in interviewing me. Um they were giving me a <laughs> chance <laughs> and um I and then I I remember the last interview and then uh getting the the phone call they were very kind they actually called me ahead of time before i got the email to let me know personally that like i didn't get it and then it was uh, that that they uh hoped i did very well so th- their entire team there was very kind um but i am so glad that i didn't get the job there at that point because after that i i started watching all these youtube videos all the time on on ux and um i got a different job where they taught me so much about like responsiveness and accessibility and all these different things and I, I start to think about that guy that interviewed me and I start to think oh my god that was such a gift that he told me that I wasn't ready yet like wow. Wow. I'm so thankful for that guy and I don't think he will ever know
0: You ever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know I, I love that you said that because um even thinking back so the so one of the agencies I applied for when I was like 19 or 20 was Crispin Porter and Bogusky I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, but they were one of like the biggest agencies in in Miami back then. I think their their Miami office is closed. I think they still have like New York, LA, Texas or something like that. Um, but they were like this really cool, you know, cutting edge. You look at the roof, like the, the pipes are exposed, open office layout, like working with all the hottest clients and I couldn't get a job there. And um I'm I'm glad that I got a job at the agency I did, the small one, because I was able to grow with them and if I would have went to Chris, I probably would have just been another cog in the machine. If if this other job I actually had to say I was a, actually pivotal in implementing like uh, certain certain aspects and 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 strategies that we use that are still used in the automotive industry to this day um, that we helped pioneer. And so it was really cool to be a part of that because we're one of the first to do Facebook ad campaigns for the automotive industry, one of the first to create long form landing pages using like their third party platform. So it was really cool to be a part of that. And I feel like with these bigger agencies, you don't necessarily get that. Like for example, Google Gmail just released like a new UI, which looks listen, here's my thing. I don't know. But I'm not gonna say anything bad. I just it's crazy that this is almost a trillion dollar company and this is what y'all came up with. I'm just saying there's so many anyway. <laughs> you can
1: say whatever you want.
0: It's okay. Yeah, I think that working at a at a smaller agency or even like a boutique style agency, you just get more hands on Really cool work that you can execute, and you get to really leverage your creativity without being hindered by so much like logistical BS, right? Oh, you have to go through this. Like, you're part of the process of creating the design system, right? So, you don't have to work from this regimented block. You can actually help develop that design system and be a part of that process. So, you almost become like a pioneer in that company, helping them mold the overall essence of the company, as opposed to everything's locked in and you're kind of like, okay, change this blue to this light blue. You know what I mean? Okay. Great, you did your job. You said you're part of the process of actually creating that design system that's going to be used in years to come.
1: So, do you think that that happened for a reason that you went to that firm?
0: Absolutely, yes, definitely, definitely. I was able to learn from the CEO and learn from the marketing director that was there when I came in, and just learn the inner workings of an agency on the come up. Like when I started there, we had seven people. When I left, we had twenty five. So. I was able to see in that three or four year span an agency grow exponentially and the trials and tribulations of that. I was able to travel and talk to clients. You know, I, I, Emily, I'm an introvert. So for me, I was, a, I was sitting here at a table with six CEOs explaining a campaign to them. It was out of my comfort zone. I felt like if I wasn't like in that position, I never would have gotten that opportunity. And So now um, being extroverted is a lot easier for me. You know, it's not as, as hard as it used to be. I do it more often, so it just helped me in so many ways to develop my skills and just overall as an individual working at that company
1: you you talk about uh when you were a kid that you were very introverted, and even now you said like I was in that meeting and it was it was not what I was usually comfortable with <laughs> so um when I talk to you it's it's very it's very easy and and you seem very confident how did that transition happened for you You said it was a bit of college
0: I, it was but I, I feel like a lot of it came from creating YouTube videos so I've been creating YouTube videos for probably like eight years and when I started I was using like a little teleprompter on my phone where I like read it out and then as I got more comfortable in front of the camera it just became second nature so I, I really tried to be actionable and selective on the things that I say But now it just becomes so much easier because I've done so many YouTube videos. I started doing a lot more speaking engagements. And when I started the agency and when I transitioned, like I said, to that full-time position, I was like reaching out to all these companies locally. I was like, listen, if y'all need a speaker, I'm here. I will give you anything you need. And I always thought that value, 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 give away as much as possible, talk, speak, do it for free. And that just really helped me YouTube, creating the YouTube videos and then in-person speaking engagements just made me more confident especially if you know what you're talking about and you're comfortable about what you do in your process it was just it just became easier and easier so now it's so funny when I do a speaking engagement I'm always like super nervous like five minutes before and then once I'm on stage I start to get more comfortable start to understand okay I know what I'm talking about I know what I'm doing and it becomes it becomes easier so yeah it's it's uh it's definitely something that that I've had to work at but I'm hoping to get better and better as as I continue
1: I think sometimes people um when when somebody says they're introverted, sometimes people attach the word shy to that. What do you what do you think about that when you were a kid versus now? Like some people they're shy and introverted and then sometimes they're older and then they they're just introverted, they're not shy.
0: Yeah, I I um I think I am a little I, I think I'm a little awkward. Like if I meet new people, like I kind of don't know what to say. <laughs> what I've learned though is reading a lot of books has helped me. So there's a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by, by, I think, Dale Carnegie, which that book just helped me tremendously. Some things that helped me are memorizing and, and using people's names as you talk to them, like yourself, Emily. I think that mm-hmm. helps resonate with people just learning to listen more than I talk. And so it's funny. You can have, let's say we meet at an event and I'm like, hey, Emily, you know, how are you? I'm good. Okay, great. What's your skill set? I'm good at X, Y, Z. That's great. What projects are you working on? So I'm asking you questions and getting you to open up just like you've done to me. And now that conversation, because you are able to open up and talk a lot about yourself, that might've been one of your best conversations of that day, as opposed to someone that's just sitting there rambling about like everything about themselves without being reciprocal about it. So those have helped me seem <laughs> like an extrovert, but sometimes like I just feel exhausted after an exchange, right? And it's not because I didn't want to do it, but it's just, I don't know, It's it's weird. I think it's just the awkwardness and I've always been a person that's, and I'm trying to work on it as well, that's always wanted to make others happy. You know what I mean? And and that is something that I'm, I'm work, I'm still working on to this day where I'm thinking, okay, how can I address the situation, especially when I'm dealing with a difficult situation? Be stern, let people know how I feel um, and understand that sometimes people's feelings will be hurt, but at least I was honest. You know what mm-hmm. I
1: mean? And then also you think, well, why is this person... Why is there feeling hurt if I'm just being genuine and telling people how I feel? Like, what what is this coming from?
0: That's true. Yeah. Uh,
1: when when you were um a kid, kind of like, ar- around elementary school age, did you have to d- ever have to do like presentations in front of a class? Was that scary for you?
0: I did. I did. Oh, man, <laughs> I can't even remember like the old school ones, and uh, I remember what were those things called? That big brown cardboard that folded open you remember that oh
1: different... um poster board it was like the, yeah, the giant exactly. brochure things
0: exactly it was um I remember doing those presentations it was great I kind of I kind of had the cheat code though because my mom was a teacher so she had like all this like cool like equipment the googly eyes all this stuff we had an encyclopedia Britannica which was you know I don't know if you know what that is but it's yes, <laughs> <I do>. okay <laughs> so we had that and that my parents had like like I don't even know how they got it, but ultimately, um, I had like a cheat code because my mom had all the cool school, cool school supplies, so all my projects were always like super dope. Um, so that was really cool, but that 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 was able to help me, um, when I was younger. But man, I can't even remember. I think we did one on like scientific method. I remember that, and I yeah. remember creating like a panorama for that. But otherwise, man, it's it's just a little cloudy.
1: <laughs> I remember my uh, my sister did a science fair project in elementary school on capillary action. I don't know why I remember that, but I wow. it, I remember wow. we were sitting in the the cafeteria at Parkway Manor Elementary and we were we were playing with uh it was the flowers, like you can put flowers in in water and uh um put dye in it and then the carnation will change colors.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, i tried try that. I got a, I have a book in the back called The Dad Lab where I do like <laughs> experiments in the sun so if, I might need to find that one and do that. One. <laughs> yeah.
1: I I wanted to ask you that because um uh, I remember seeing a photo of you doing a presentation for your your mom's third grade class.
0: Oh wow, you saw that? Oh man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. So she she asked me to come in and talk to them about code. I can actually send you the presentation. I still have it. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago. This was probably a year or two before she like retired. Well, she she was actually wanted to do another year, but then she got sick. But um, it's like a year before that. So I came into the school and I talked to the kids. And these kids these days, it's crazy. Like they're so like adept. Like they're playing like Minecraft and they're really good with like <laughs> technology already. So for them to learn code, especially at that age, it's almost like learning another language. It's so much easier because their minds are so open. So I was showing them like the fundamentals of code and little things that they can do at home. And one kid was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm writing JavaScript." I'm like, "What?" This kid's in like third grade. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm writing." Oh, the kids was like, "Oh, I'm writing my own game." There's this platform. I forgot the name of it. Where I'm like creating my own game, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So it was, it was really cool to see the next generation or the next, next, the next generation, like where they're at in regards to technology. They're already on it.
1: That's crazy because I, I saw you were you were talking to to kids about code, and there was a little part of me was like, how are they even understanding what are you saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's um, it's really cool. It's really cool to see what they're doing.
1: I I also wanted to uh, ask you about um, your wife because I know that I think you two met when you were working at the bank.
0: Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know. You stuff. Yes, we did. We did we did? I walked in. She saw me. It was a wrap. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we we actually didn't meet at the bank. We were best friends for a long time while we worked there, and uh, we just got really close. And um, yeah, she's she's amazing. She's my support system. She helps me through all these business ventures and and she's uh, she's done really well for herself as well. She worked in um, for the Miami Dolphins for like 11 years and like guest experience managing like all the game day staff. And uh, about a year and a half ago, she left and now she's consulting with and then uh, Formula One F1, which is in Miami right now. She's consulting with them as well. So it's really cool to see her excel and, and do her thing as well. So it's just uh, a lot of synergy, a lot of um, collaborative effort. And we really try to to balance our our work days and and make sure that we have time for our little guy too.
1: So she's kind of watched you go through this whole journey of yours.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's been there uh, the whole time, and every time that I was going through a transition or moving to the next step, I was always like, "What do you think? You know, what are your thoughts on this?" And uh, she was the one that, because I, I I was never going to leave cold turkey, but her being able, her working full time, even though we weren't making a ton that gave me a little bit of um, what's the word like leeway to be able to be like, okay, I can mess up a few months, but and we'll still be able to eat and cover the mortgage. You know what I mean? Because she was working then as well. So that was a huge plus because if it was just me up by myself and if I had a bad month, you know, I'd be, I'd be struggling. Right. So it was really helpful to have that support system, especially transitioning from, you know, full-time job with benefits and everything to going into a part-time position.
1: So, what is it like to have that that team for for so long, because I'm only in the beginning of, of all of this and I'm just imagining what it might be like looking back and seeing like, wow, like, not only did I do this, but like we did this together. I couldn't have done it without you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We grow, we've grown through this whole process together. You know what I mean? We started out. Uh, we both lived at home. Then we went and got our townhouse and we bought that. And then we went and got a house once we had our son. And we're there now. Actually, I'm in my home office right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool because you get to grow and excel with someone else. So you get to see how they grow. Right. We started out like it's kind of like in these little roles trying to make it make it make it work. She actually worked for like Super Bowl committee as an intern, right? When I was interning. So we almost oh. had a similar transition of um of of moving into that role. And then we both got to benefit. like her working at the stadium, like I went to all the dolphin games. I went to all these concerts like for free. I'm here getting VIP. Like the experience was is insane, you know, <laughs> going to all these events and, and doing these things. And then now we're at a point where she can do her consulting thing. I can run my business. And now we have just great life balance. You know what I mean? We're able to work hard and play hard at the same time.
1: Were there moments uh between the two of you, like individually with your own careers where, um, when you were talking about with like the, the speaking with the the clients and um, doing all of these things as you were growing, as you were going into all these different positions, were there moments where you thought, oh my gosh, this is like the hardest thing I've ever done. If I can do this and if I can accomplish, then I can do anything. But this thing seems like, insurmountable did either of you experience that along the way
0: yeah there were times where Deandra that's my wife's name there were times when she was like working so many hours it was crazy because they have events coming up and she has to be in there locked in and it was it was difficult on both of us and then it would transition where I had a bunch of projects and things where I was working late into the night and didn't get to spend as much time um with with her or you know my son when he was younger and so for us it was really trying to figure out okay how can we make this really work And there were a few things that we did. One, I was like, okay, I need to start hiring and delegating. I started to create systems. I started to hire. I started to delegate. I wanted to be able to pick up my son. I wanted to be able to to drop him off at school. And then uh, the industry started to say, well, you know, I might transition out of this job and move into consulting or maybe just take some time off now that the agency was doing well enough, we could afford to do that. Right. So she held me down while I was transitioning from part-time at this job to entrepreneurship. Now she's giving me enough time and, and, and um, I always forget this term, and runway to be able to build up this agency to the point where now she can take time and say, okay, now I wanna do something else. Now I wanna transition in, into a new role. So right now she's consulting companies called Guest XP. She does consulting for like the Dolphins and F1. And then she's also going and getting her master's so she can then teach as a professor Um, at school and so now that I'm running the agency and we're doing well she's able to take that time and and do that and so it really is I'm telling you that like when you when you can find someone that you can grow and develop with you might not both be in the same place at at that moment but if you can find someone that almost balances you out it's just it's a a no-brainer.
1: This might be a personal question but I wanted to know what is it about your two personalities that makes this work so well oh man
0: i'm gonna break it down right now this is great so it's uh (laughs) so we have great similarities and then we have great things that we balance out each other so similarities like we both love cinema tv and just the creative arts. so anything in regards to like art music well, different taste in music. She likes old school, like the nineties R and B. I'm like a rap, EDM, like rock dudes. <laughs> that's, that's a that, that we have difficulties with. <laughs> you know, the we, car I'm, radio, yeah. Like, activities that like, we both love going to the movies, the creative arts, like that's something that we love. In regards to like personalities, like she's uh, she's like very detail oriented, right? Me, I'm like big picture, like, hey, let's go, let's jump in, let's get it done. Like I'm and then she kind of like says, okay, we gotta be realistic about this. We gotta move this way because this is not like so, but then I'll have a great idea and she'll be like, okay, I think that's a great idea, but here's my feedback. So it's like we we feed off of each other in that way because it helps me kind of really because as you know as a creative, as a dreamer, you have all these big grandiose ideas and you kind of need someone to really win to be like yo this is really what it is like think about steve jobs and steve wozniak like Wozniak, and the Waz was like listen we can't do that and seems like yes we can and they almost yeah. found like that middle ground of okay we can meet right here in the middle so that's how our, our personalities really play off of each other
1: when you think about like somebody starting out in their life or, or moving through life moving through a career, how important do you think that companionship is because there's companionship in the romantic sense where but but you two are really focused on supporting each other's careers and and life and then the example you gave with the two steves <laughs> that's a companionship of like li- literally it seemed like a like a lifelong friendship not romantic but it it almost is on a similar level of connection so what do you think about really needing or the importance of some companion that goes through your career with you.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a wild ride, and <laughs> me, it's been great to be able to have because she's my best friend. You know, we talk about everything, we hang out. It's like we we have a good time just subscribing. You know what I mean? So it's really great to to see that. And it's, it this goes back to what we talked about before. Sometimes you got to stop and like smell the roses and be like, damn, like look how far we've come. Look look what we've done. You know, we we we've gotten to this point where where for the most part, you know, we can do what we want to do, we can travel, we can we can live our lives to a, to a certain degree and not have to worry too much about, you know, specific finances or things that we might have to deal with ten, five, five or 10 years ago. So now we're at a point where we're able to enjoy the spoils of our labor, but we still have that drive and that hunger to be able to continue to excel and grow together.
1: That's really sweet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It's a really nice story. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's great. And in quote, you know, of course, you know every relationship has its ups and downs. But I can yeah. I can absolutely say that the pluses outbalance the minuses, and it's just great to be able to to grow with someone because you see, it's almost like you know, it's almost like a I wouldn't compare it to a business, but you see, like it starts out as like this kind of like general entity that forms into something that can create a foundation for more.
1: Mm-hmm. Huh. And so. So we're talking about you were in a director role at an agency, about twenty people, and then you transition into is is that what became Five Four or is that different? Yeah, so
0: I launched Five Four eight years ago. Okay. And eight years ago in May, because our our founding date is like May fifth, I think twenty twenty fourteen. I don't know. It's, oh, it's something.
1: You were- you were so close to Star Wars Day.
0: I know, I know. Oh. I May 4th. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and I, and I would I love to to be May Fourth because then it's like five four. The company name is five four, but it just kind of worked out that way, you know. So yeah. Uh, yeah. When I when I transitioned, I was working part time, and I and that's when I got my 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 company. I, I filed for S corp. I got my company. I got my you know my, my articles of incorporation. Like I was legit, and that was my first business ever. So. Um, it was it was pretty awesome to do that. And then hit the ground running. It was me for the first like two years just by myself, just working a ton, um, a lot. And it was it was pretty overwhelming those first couple of years doing everything myself. And we were doing SEO, SEM, ads, uh, websites, design development. We were do, I was doing everything myself. So it was, it was yeah. pretty overwhelming. But it taught me to it taught me a lot about these different skill sets and where I really wanted to own in.
1: And so what do you think about the journey from, uh, May 5th until now? Like that's a very big time leap, but when you think about when you first started, like what are your feelings about it?
0: Um, it was, I'm glad that it happened the way it did because I, uh, it's it's almost like, um, it's almost like the 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 hero journey, right? Because it started out and it's like, okay, we're doing all these services. Oh man, our prices are low. Like we're not doing great. You know, I'm not making a ton of revenue. And then it's like, oh, okay. Now we're at a point where we're like, oh, all right, we're gonna focus just on web design, development, UI/UX, and branding. That's it. That's gonna be our main focus. Once we did that, it was like, phew, like ours. We skyrocketed in regards to like profitability and growth in the agency because we owned in on that. and All the content and everything we did revolved around that ecosystem. So it was like, this is what we do. Here, uh, look at our wireframes. Here's our step-by-step process. And once we did that, we were known as, okay, this is the agency that does web design for startups. And once we became that and we got into that niche, which is great because it's a niche, but it's not so focused that we're we're singling out people. It's like startups, you know, that could be a construction company that can be a SaaS product, right? So it really helped us in regards to positioning ourselves in the industry. And then once we found about Webflow, then it's like it went up and then it went higher. <laughs> now we can execute websites at a high level. We can create beautiful functional websites without like bloat or plugin issues or problems. Because we, we did Webflow for, I mean, WordPress for years before we found out about Webflow. Probably been using Webflow for about three, four years now. And once we did that, our trajectory hit the sky. And now it's in high demand, especially in the startup world that we've been able to position ourselves in an, in, in an industry where we're thought about in that conversation. So that has helped us tremendously in regards to AUC growth. And it's, uh, I, I got to thank. Um, one, there's a, a UI UX designer, her name is Lenora Porter. I looked at her website and I saw that she was using Webflow and I was like, what the hell is Webflow? I got to find out more about this. And then when I did, Rand Siegel, his original content was, I, I was skeptical at first, like, what is this? Another site builder that's like Squarespace. And it changed my whole trajectory and thought about web design. And now Webflow is 90% of what we do here at the agency.
1: Wow. If you were to talk to yourself when you first started to say, like, this is what we're doing now, like, how do you think that conversation
0: would go? Oh, I think it would go well because <laughs> I was always open. Like, here's my thing. And I, I always tell agency owners, it's like, don't bet on just one um, platform because that platform can change at any moment. What you want to do is say to your client, what we do is we find the best solution based on what your needs are. And right now Webflow ac- can accomplish 90 percent of the type of projects that we bring on. And so I'm always open to the opportunity of a new platform. Like even now, like I'm looking at Framer and saying, okay, how does this work? What's the functionality? Because we always want to be at the cutting edge because of the premium cost of our services. So we're going a step ahead for clients and saying, hey, we're out there in the, in the world. We're looking at the best platforms for what your solution is or what your needs are. And so it's our job to make sure that we're always using the best technology based on what a client's needs are. And if you can position yourself in that place as an agency, you're not going to pigeonhole yourself to like, OK, we're a Webflow agency, which is great. You know, you're you're owning in on that niche, but that that might not be the best tool for you know what you're looking to accomplish uh, long term.
1: Yeah, it sounds a little bit of that same feeling I had of like, you really don't know what you don't know. So acting like you know everything and all the answers, it's just not true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly exactly 100% 100 yeah.
1: huh so uh i don't know i i actually i watched the um the little film that uh webflow made about you was that a surreal experience
0: oh my gosh it was crazy it was it was it, i'll tell you why it was so crazy so for a long time i've looked at the future content which is a platform for designers and creators that they have like courses. So the founders, Chris Doe, as you know, legend in the game, one of my favorites, probably one of my favorite entrepreneur. And then his creative director was Matt Cena, Matthew Cena, um, And I've always been a fan of him, follow all his content as well. So I got an email like, hey, you know, we want to feature you in this series that we're running. And it was from Matthew Cena. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is crazy. So he left uh, the future and started his own like uh, production company and he was reaching out. Webflow had hired him to manage this project. So I was like, awesome, I would I would love to be a part of this. Like, what do you need? What can I do to help? And so they literally flew out. Like my I'm in my home office now. There are literally four guys. So it was it was Matt and then they hired this this awesome production company called Um Victory, which has worked with like LeBron and Kobe and all these big agencies. So all four of them are in my home office, cameras everywhere. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like these guys are here wanting to tell my story. I was I was shocked. You know, it was it was almost a surreal moment and then we and then when it was all wrapped I'm like guys come downstairs you know I had my little I, I had a bottle of a nice whiskey Japanese whiskey I'm like you guys got to try this we all took a shot of it then we went to dinner and it was just it was really a surreal experience and then seeing the video play back it was one of those moments where you step stop, and sit back and like wow this is this is really cool um and to be able to see it in real time was just amazing it was literally like watching a movie and I remember getting the the notice I showed, I I sent it to my wife, I sent it to my mom and my sister. I was like, guys, check this out. And they were just so proud. It was just a really great moment to be able to see that because you do all this and it's not to get recognition, right? You're doing it because you feel like you're fulfilling a need in the marketplace, but you don't realize how many people you're touching until you start to see this type of content or even all the testimonials we get from the projects that we create. So it was just really cool to see that.
1: Between that and Your YouTube channel, has it been interesting to have people reach out to you and, and talk to you, especially if you don't know them and saying that they watch your video or they watch something and it meant something to them?
0: Yeah, it's, oh man, it's, you, you know, sometimes, and I, I say this all the time, like even like, like I'm on TikTok, right? I'm creating TikTok uh, content and my videos, you know, they might get five likes, 10 likes, and you're thinking, okay, no one's watching this <laughs> But then you get a comment from someone that says, Hey man, I saw your content a year ago and I was able to secure a $20,000 project or, Hey, you know, I, I'm a designer and I, I, I was feeling down and I saw, watched your video and I saw another entrepreneur that looked like me and it gave me the motivation to create X, Y, Z. And you get messages like that. And it makes you say like, wow, like, you know, my my content is really reaching people. Like it might not have the vanity metrics of 15,000 likes. But I know that the content that I'm creating is touching people. And it's it just it, it's great to get that feedback because sometimes you feel like you're creating and you're doing all this and there's you're, what are you doing it for? You know what I mean? And so you get that and it's like that nice boost of motivation to be like, okay, the content and things I'm creating are actually resonating with people and they're enjoying and making this content actionable in their lives.
1: I think that that's so important and some people don't, exactly want to share all of that about their life and the reason is that I talked to somebody who I really admire a lot and she said that she doesn't like sharing much about like her success she doesn't like sharing about much of anything because she is so afraid of it coming across as if she's bragging um and that she doesn't want to really talk to anybody about about her life and and I look at her career and and her success I'm like so many people would like between your your age and and all of these other things about you um and the fact that you weren't even in this career a couple of years ago they would see this as so inspirational and she she's a little um doesn't really want to because of those reasons and i think that some people when they they share things that are aspirational some people will be negative about that but i just want to say that i've benefited so much from um people sharing their success and sharing um positive things that have happened in their life because it gives me so much like even watching your video before i even met you before we even had this planned um this is very specific but like i saw the shot where they were in your kitchen and you were opening up the laptop and i was like wow he has a really nice kitchen maybe i could have a really nice kitchen
0: (laughs) so funny thing about that scene that was at an airbnb
1: oh really (laughs) (laughs) It
0: was. <laughs> yeah so they put so they had an airbnb and they did part of it like the video in that in the airbnb that they booked because they had like certain look and feel so that's funny <laughs> that's funny no no i love that i love that but yeah it's no it's it's definitely that's something i kind of struggle with too because i've always felt like you know it you don't want to show off like you don't want people to feel like you're being arrogant about it but it's really about like hey you can have this too like i'm a in yeah. you know, brooklyn and now i've got like my own home and my own you know it's it's definitely feasible you know for anyone especially in this space
1: does that feel weird to hear from somebody you don't know very well
0: <laughs> no no not at, <laughs> not at all not at all i uh this is this is a really eye-opening combo i feel like this is um i feel like we're starting to know each other really well <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know there's um uh it, it just looked uh so nice and uh i had previously like i'm I'm fairly young there it wasn't that long ago that i was like nannying and doing people's laundry and stuff like that and living in like a really crappy house um and <laughs> um i don't know sometimes when i see people that are, are really good role models like for one like christine chun i don't know if you know her she's a ux designer um yeah. i was she would would share so much about her life and her her um like finances and her responsibilities and being really transparent about where she came and where she is now and um the time frame and how much effort it took um that i would just watch her videos uh all the time (laughs) i made a makeshift peloton which is like a a exercise bike where i would put an ipad on it (laughs) and i would just watch (laughs) her youtube videos yes anytime one came out i got alerts and i would watch it immediately um i don't know like like uh, people who make stuff like that they might not think that people care or or uh notice, or maybe, um, I don't know, maybe if you don't have the views that you want to have at a certain point when you start, you think that oh, nobody's looking at this, but a lot of people really, really do, and the videos will stay there, so as time progresses, more people will watch them and it makes a bigger impact. So, so yeah.
0: true, <laughs> well, that's facts,
1: that's facts 100%. It's um yeah so just as as one of the the um the viewers <laughs> i can yeah. from the viewing population i can let you know that's one experience of my
0: oh, own <laughs> wow, wow, wow! yeah uh
1: you you did make a comment though um uh i saw in your your instagram bio that you you call yourself uh uh just a kid from brooklyn um that that phrase I wanted to know I was thinking about this ever since I saw that comment um I was wondering why you say just
0: (laughs) um I don't know well it's a it's a quote from uh I don't know if you've seen um what's it called uh sorry having a free free report (laughs) Captain America
1: oh really Uh,
0: first one which is uh like the first Avenger basically his first like feature film in the MCU he says like he's he's like he's a scrawny little kid before he got his uh he went under his, his surgery become a super soldier and so he used to get beat up by this kid and then um get, he got in the car and he's like listen i'm just a kid from brooklyn like it's just it's just to to ground me and understand like hey you know i had humble beginnings um and i was i've been able to reach a lot of the goals that that i've been looking for so it's really just to keep me grounded and, and understand like hey I, I started as just a kid from brooklyn And now I'm, you know, doing my thing, which Brooklyn, I don't know if you've been is pretty much like (laughs) there's a lot of affluence going on there, especially in some of the areas in the brownstone. Some of them are going for like two, three million. Right. So it's uh, it's really just a a story of, you know, humble beginnings. Was
1: that the case when when you were growing up um, that you felt like it was it was uh, very affluent and very like high difference in uh, the super wealthy and then the super have nots?
0: Oh yeah, like I mean it, when you're a kid you don't really see it or care as much, I'd say. As long as you have like the fundamentals. I I feel like if you have like your family, you're able to communicate with your family, you're able to to have those those relationships, you don't really see it as much when you're a kid because you're just a kid enjoying life, right? It doesn't yeah. matter if it's been a 5 bedroom or a 1 bedroom, right? As long as you have the things that you need fundamentally, I think it's fine. You don't really see it. Um and then as you get older, you start to see like, you know, when I'm in college, I didn't have enough money for certain things and I had to take out loans and 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 um, even like even going back home and, and being able to help my mom with with groceries and be able to work and, and be able to support the the house that I was living in, you know, that's when you really start to see it as you get older. But honestly, like I, I never really, we struggled, but I never really felt it. Mm-hmm. Right, if that makes sense, because my parents did a good job of shielding us from that. And I think, I think that's an important aspect, right? You know, everybody's like, oh, you got to get it out the mud. You got to start with nothing. Why? Why do we have to start with nothing? Why can't we try to build and develop generational wealth? So that way the next generation has an easier job. You know what I mean? It's not, I don't, I don't think we should take pride in making it difficult for the next generation to excel. I think we should say, Hey, here's some tools that you can use to do even better than I did. And I think that's like how my parents thought of it in that process. Cause you know, you want to get better with each generation and be able to pass on things that they can use to do better in their slot, their lives of starting from zero.
1: Because if you work so hard your whole life and then you, you have this, uh, these resources, it's not like you can take it with you <laughs> to exactly. the next That's life. Where is it going it. to go?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to be able to, to help, you know, your, your family, your community, be able to do something outside or or bigger than yourself. And that's why I love, that's why I love running an agency because listen, we're not curing, you know, diseases over here. We're building websites, but I still feel like it's important work because we're able to leverage our skills, take ideas, scraps of paper and create like these tangible assets that people can use to make money. And so as an agency owner, we're able to do that for clients. And then we can also learn and develop those skills and be able to do it for our own agencies and have our own projects that we launch that are able to create revenue that we can then use to, I don't know, build commercial properties and put other entrepreneurs in there. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there to be able to grow that.
1: When when it does come to finances, I, I noticed that you, you wrote a book about finances and I read the first page of it.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Man, you own it, Emily. I like it. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. A step by step guide to building wealth from a dollar. So, fun fact um, one of the businesses that I launched, Urban Wallet, uh, I launched it about three years ago because I've always been into financial literacy and and just let, let me not say always. I've been into it for a long time since I worked at the bank. That was pretty much the thing that catapulted that because I was able to learn about financial literacy. I actually they had a 401k there that I was able to match up to like 5% that I actually used for the down payment on our first town home. And as you know, real estate is just a pivotal part of of growth and and being able to create assets, right? So um, me always being interested in financial literacy, I was like, okay, well, I'm doing pretty good now. I can probably teach other folks about this. That's when I opened up Urban Wallet, which was a financial literacy blog for, for Urban Millennials. And I launched that in tandem with the agency. Great thing about having the agency, you have so many team members that you can leverage where it's like, okay, we're gonna work on Urban Wallet. You almost treat it as like a client. So we brought it in as like a client and over to work on this internal project. And so we had blog content, we have all these resources. And I was like, you know I'm gonna write a book on my experience in creating uh, financial leaders and uh, creating generational wealth. So I launched that book and it just did really, really well. We've had probably close to 10,000 book sales um, and it still sells to this day. We have great reviews, hundreds of images of people reading the book and then saying, hey, this was great. And it's a quick read, 150 pages. And great thing. side note, so Amazon has this platform called Kindle uh, uh, KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, where anyone can write a book and self-publish. So basically what you do is you write your book, right, you upload it to Amazon's KDP platform, and if someone orders your book, and you can do this on Prime, which is crazy, anyone orders your book, they can put it on Prime, you can put it on Amazon. Amazon, when that, when that product gets purchased, they will actually print the book, Ship it on your behalf to the person, and then they take a cut. So if your book is twenty dollars, their book, their cut is going to be like six or seven bucks. Then they t- then you take the difference and pocket it. So you can self publish your own book, get it on Amazon, and then be able to have this book. I did the same thing with my mom's book as well, and you can make a nice additional uh, passive income with that. They have soft cover, hard cover, color books. You can you can do children's books. I mean, it's insane. It's crazy. And it's a whole like ecosystem around Amazon KDP that a lot of, uh, UI UX folks don't even know about. I mean, if you have something that you want to write or create, self-publish it, get it out there and you don't even have to have inventory. So I thought that was a really cool concept. So I released my first book. I'm actually working on my second book now. Um,
1: yeah,
0: uh, which is going to be cool, but yeah, it's, uh, it just did really well. And it was, it was really cool to see.
1: If only that happened when you were 13, because then we could have had all of these superhero kid adventure books
0: on Amazon. (laughs) Oh, no. I missed that boat. (laughs) boat.
1: But you have it now. You have the boat now.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Like, even you, like, you could do a book on your podcast, right? And you can do each page is a profile on a person you've interviewed and maybe two to three quotes of what you learned in that. Like, it's a book. It would be, like, almost like, I don't know if you've read Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss but he basically, his book is basically like each page is like an entrepreneur, or a person that he's influenced by. And it's like their bio, their favorite tools and like their favorite quote. So something like that. So you could even create something like that. And now you have another passive income stream that's tethered to your podcast that you can use to promote it.
1: I could have, if, if every person is a chapter, I could probably have about 60 chapters by now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you can make it really simple. You can have like a, a couple pages per person and and uh, and now like anytime someone reads your or listens to your podcast, you have like a little blurb at the end that says, "Hey, check out our new book, Great design lead, the best of the best." And you know they can go and download it. And they can oh so and you can do physical and you can do uh, Kindle as well.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. How did you feel when you realized that it was that not easy, but just like accessible? Oh, my mind was blown.
0: I was like, this is crazy. Like <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Like I even have my I mean I think I have a copy of it here. Yeah, somewhere a copy there. of your book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here it's. Yeah, and it's it's great quality. I mean, look, you can check it out.
1: Wow. Yeah, it looks it looks like Barnes and Noble quality.
0: Yeah, it's um, and this is the soft this is the soft cover. They just they just started um hardcover copies as wow. well. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Really cool. So now not my next book is just going to be about like um you know being an entrepreneur and. That should be fun. <laughs>
1: wow, how did it feel to hold that?
0: Oh, it was <laughs> it was awesome. It was it was really cool because you're like, wow, I wrote this, and now I'm like, now I'm a published author, technically a published author. So it was a really cool experience to be able to do that. So I'm working on my next couple books, and I'm, I'm really excited for those 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 next uh, those next drops.
1: I I read the first page, so that that's available for anybody to see. So I don't have any spoilers. You care if I talk about the no no the content.
0: So feel free feel
1: free so i uh i actually i make little profiles on people um before they come on it's just a it's just a, a insane collection of like screenshots that i find or like cool <laughs> information and i took this a, a screenshot of the um the first page and in in the first page you talk about um being in school and you're on the phone with somebody uh from a bank and they're saying hey so somebody has been writing checks in your name and you say I've never done that and they said yeah it's it's somebody else like you're you're screwed like you got to figure it out can I mean I'm sure I butchered that a little bit because I wasn't there but like that's a crazy experience to have when you're in the most financial insecure point in your life when you're a college student
0: oh yeah it's crazy and the 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 wildest part about it is, it was my dad we have the same name so writing bad checks on my name for for a couple of years and my credit was shot and he was yeah i was basically in the (laughs) negative while i was there so it was that was a wild experience (laughs) to say the least but yeah that was and and you know it's like you have these experiences right and it almost makes you it's weird like I wanted to be the exact opposite. Like I wanted to be good with money. I wanted to be financially literate. I wanted to create generational wealth. So it was almost like I had that experience for me to be able to think and say, okay, that's not something I want. I want to be able to do this. And I feel like it's a part of the process, right? Sometimes you have to go through things like that to put it in perspective. And realize where you want to go and what trajectory you want to follow to be successful. The
1: the thing that I experienced wasn't anywhere near that cuz that is really I don't know how you went through that emotionally because um, it's a it's an insecure spot to be in and also like the emotional point on top of that. Th- there was a point for me where I, um, it seems so minuscule now, but at, I was in charge of um, like paying utilities for a house that I was in because I was sharing a room. I said, okay, instead of rent, I'll, I'll pay utilities. And one of my housemates totally forgot about one of the categories of utilities for about a year. And, oh, it was, and i was like how did you do this like i think it was maybe like nine months and um i was and he's like oh yeah i thought it was covered by the building but apparently it's not and so we had this this bill for um uh what to me was like 75 percent of my life savings at that point because i was so uh, not poor but like situationally poor in college um and so I was just so upset. And, and there was a part where I was like, never again, am I ever going to let my finances be this heavily influenced by another person? I'm like, never am I going to put myself in that situation? I'm gonna do anything that I can to um, be totally in control. If there's something messes up, it's my fault. But never again, am I going to let anybody have access to me like that?
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And it's, It's like, it sucks because you went through that experience, right? And, um, but you've learned so much from it now. It's like, that'll never happen again, right? So it's like, man, crazy, crazy.
1: And so what happened after that for you?
0: I don't even remember. Well, I know I took a part-time job while I was living on campus. I worked at a local restaurant. It was like an Italian restaurant as a busser. So that helped me supplement like any like extra income I needed to pay back and and have. um. So that was helpful. So that was helpful. And that was it. You know, I, I made it a point to be like, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever go through anything like this again, you know? And, and I, I, even to this day, I watch, you know, my finances every morning. I look up, I see, Hey, what transactions have come through? <laughs> like I'm like super diligent um in that regard. And I guess a lot of that stems from that moment or that time in my life
1: um sometimes I think that uh uh saving money and and taking care of myself and um uh preparing myself for the unpredictable um sometimes it it makes me it's kind of like the nicest thing that I can do for myself like there's there's working out that makes you feel good but sometimes just making sure that you're gonna be okay it's um I don't know there's a little part of it that's like okay like no matter what happens like I've going to take care of me and, and seeing the savings and seeing this progress that that you make in the past like I don't know it almost seems like it's another person like this other person is looking out for you and then when something bad happens and you have the savings stuff fall back on I'm like oh my god like me from before yeah. was really taking care of me the flip side is like when people do bad decisions and they're like oh that's a future Emily problem <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm very much point. the opposite of that
0: <laughs> that's, that's actually a really good point yeah it's true it's true wow wow that's heavy
1: that so is- with writing this book like what what is kind of like a a, a, a not a summary because I don't want it People to like listen to this and then not get the book. I want them to go to the description and go get it. Um, but like, what would what would people get out of uh reading this?
0: So really, what I wanted to do was create a general like blueprint of what to do like each part of your life in regards to like creating wealth. So I try to make recommendations as simple and digestible as possible. It's a quick read. It's only like 140 pages. -hmm. And my goal was really to say, okay, when you're 18, these are the things that you can do. When you're 25, these are the suggestions I have because sometimes it can feel overwhelming. Like, I got to get a 401k. I got to buy a house. I got to do this. I got to save. I got to have an emergency fund. It's like overwhelming, right? Okay, where do I start? The book is meant to really say, okay, I'm 25. Here are the things that I can do now to create generational wealth for myself at this point in my life. So a lot of it came from my experiences, uh, research and things that you should do like in the marketplace because people don't realize like if you start saving at 18 you don't have to save a lot to be a millionaire by the time you're 50 right it's really because it compounds. i talk about compound interest as one of the fundamentals to really creating generational wealth that real estate ip or intellectual property with creating businesses it's all supplemental so even if you're working full-time at a job i know plenty of people that are millionaires not plenty but i know a lot of folks that are millionaires that work a nine to five and they have a decent salary but they're able to to leverage that money they make to make it work for them and there's just it's like you said you don't know what you don't know if someone reads this book and is able to save ten thousand dollars and purchase their first home boom now they have this asset that they can use throughout their life to create generational wealth
1: how does it feel like knowing that people read it and that they change their plans and they're in a more secure position because they read your book
0: it's great. It's it's great because you feel like it's 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 legacy, right? It's being able to say, okay, I came here and I did something with the time I had. Like I was able to touch someone and help someone. And listen, I'm not I'm not changing the world over here, but I'm able to do my part in regards to that. And when you and listen, you don't go into a book trying to make a ton of money. You know what I mean? It's more so about okay, when I'm gone, people will be able to read this book and be like, wow, you know, I got some actionable tips from this that I can use.
1: I think I'd argue that and say if if somebody really, like their parents like didn't really tell them much about finances, their school didn't really tell them much about finances, it's this big scary thing. There's all of these numbers and letters, like a 401k to some people is just like a mix of numbers and letters. They don't know what that means. And if, if somebody can break things down, like for me, uh, I used to love watching Graham Stephan. I don't know if you ever watched him. Yes, love. I love the channel. <laughs> love yeah, Grand Stefan. He
0: is balling out of control, man.
1: <laughs> and meet Kevin as well. Do you meet oh, Kevin? I, I
0: see some of it. You know, I, I used to follow his. It's great to see his like transition because he was like a real estate agent making great content. That's when I used to watch his stuff. But now he's like full time YouTuber making millions, <laughs> like just killing it.
1: Oh, when when I think about like uh, people like that, um, actually making things less scary, making things easier to understand, um, I think that could really change the world for a person. Maybe Absolutely. not the world at at whole, but if you think about like, hey, not to build you up too much or give you too much of a big head, but <laughs> if somebody read read your book and and like their their kid's childhood is different now because they're more secure, I think that's a huge impact that you might never hear about.
0: That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's true. That's true. And it, it, it's true because I do get DMs from people like, hey, listen, like I got a DM like a uh, few weeks ago. This guy was like, listen, you changed my life. And I'm like, what? Like, how did I... <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, I watched all YouTube content. I watched this. I did this. I was able to get this project that was able to help me get a down payment on this. And it was just like really cool to see like, wow, like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And then that's the thing. Like, you're doing these things not because you want the recognition, but you know, it it just it, it feels great to be able to do this and know that it's actually working. You know, and you're actually helping people excel. Um,
1: I have a little bit of that sometimes too, where sometimes people will tell me that they really like the podcast or, um, like it helped them or something like that. And then at work, uh, sometimes people will tell me really nice stuff about career, um, and. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but a lot of the times I felt so guilty or I felt really negative when I received that because I thought that if I didn't feel that way, that means that I must be like tricking them into thinking that I'm great. <laughs> and it wasn't until I started getting all of this like positive recognition and stuff that I had to actually like deal with, okay, well, where do- where is this coming from? Why can't I accept this? Like you think that the better that you get or like the more advanced that you get more people notice you you think you feel better but sometimes for me it's like the opposite like I I had to really understand and I'm still working on it on like why do I feel like I'm tricking these people into thinking that I'm cool
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I think creatives a lot of us go through that because we, we, we all suffer from imposter syndrome. We all feel like, and, and I think it comes from because there's so much content out there, right? So there's so many designers, so many people doing what we do that you compare yourself so often that if you're looking at a project for so long, you might be like, Oh, this is trash. Right. But you don't realize you put in seven, eight weeks into this project and it looks phenomenal from the, from an outside perspective. But you've been looking at it so long and you've been influenced by so much other content that you see out there. You're always thinking, you know, is this really good enough? So I think that's something uh, as creatives we need to really try to look past. I know it's not going to be a hundred percent, you know. We always feel like, you know, am I good enough? Is this good enough? Are people really looking at this from a um, a right perspective? And it's just something we have to work on as as creatives continuously. But yeah, it's it's something that we all suffer from, and I think that we just need to take it day by day and realize that yeah, you know, we are improving, we are getting better, and you've been in this game long enough where you realize that, yeah, I'm kind of a badass. Like I need to charge accordingly. (laughs) I can get this job or position that I really want. And yeah, even if I'm not hundred percent there, I can, I'm still growing. And as long as we're open to growth and learning and acquiring new skills, you know, we're always going to have in the back of our mind that, that, um, that, that imposter syndrome, we just have to keep going and pushing through that and continue to grow and develop our skills.
1: Do you feel that way sometimes, or did you used to feel that oh, way? Oh, of course.
0: Of course. To this day, I do. You know, sometimes we'll put something out. I'm like, ah, oh, like, I like it. I don't know. It's, it's hard. You know what I mean? And the best way to really, to really get over that is, is build in public. Showcase, you know, what you're working on. Uh, you might get positive feedback here. You might get negative feedback and you don't necessarily have to listen to everybody, right? You can really understand what the goal is and what you're looking to accomplish, and just continuously build in public because it's like you said, you look back five years ago, like, damn, this looks kind <laughs> of you know what I mean. Now I work so much better. It's just a continuous process. But yeah, even to this day, of course. Of course, I get put imposter syndrome all the time, but I'm always focused on, okay, what's the newest book that I need to read? Like I just picked up a new read. Like I'm always picking up some new stuff. So I just finished, I'll show you. Uh this is a really cool book, The Black Experience in Design.
1: Ooh. Oh that's a cool cover. what I just saw it was a red book with black text and it was shiny and pretty. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Sans like, serif. <laughs>
0: exactly. I'm always trying to pick up like new reads and new books because I'm always like, Okay, well what can I learn? What can I acquire? And and it's not just like brand new stuff. Like I'll get books like I got the animator sketchbook from Pixar, which shows like their like design concepts and cool like imagery. Wow
1: i'm looking cool. at a, a black book with uh yellow text and it has cool uh yeah, animations yeah. in it i mean,
0: not animations it's a book but
1: like uh cartoons and and
0: yeah yeah i love art books too like i've got the spider this is probably one of oh. my favorite and i look at like color palettes and overall design and the aesthetic and just try to get influenced yeah. in places so you know it's one of those things where you never stop learning and, and for me you know i'm not really doing much design or development anymore right i haven't I have a team that's super talented that does a great job. So even though I'm not doing it, I still wanna be able to um, understand and know what they're doing and, and be at the forefront of this industry. Cause that's my, it's my job to be able to say, okay, I know what's going on, I know what's happening. I'm not executing it, but I at least know and have a, a finger on the pulse of what's going on.
1: That sounds so exciting because there, there's a there's always this fear that you're going to um, pick something that you like at the point that you're picking that. And then after a long time, you'll get bored with it. But I think that what what you and I do, um, I don't think that that's really possible.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's, always, it's always a new, oh, we're, we're doing flat design now or skeuomorphism is in, or there's always some type of dynamic or change in the space. And, you know, even though I'm a little older, I always feel like, hey, I want to learn from those younger than me, those older than me. Like I'm always open to, I always try to keep my mind and my ideas open and not rigid because that's when you get stuck and that's when you start to get dated and not up to the times.
1: That's so interesting. Well, how did two hours just go by? It felt like an hour. It felt like 30 minutes. <laughs> and
0: really- how did
1: that? Do-, do you see the time?
0: <laughs> I know, I know. I, I looked up, I'm like, wait, is that is that the right time? Is that the right time?
1: <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, that was so... I mean, I don't want to end. It doesn't feel like the end,
0: but <laughs> yeah.
1: I know you have other oh, stuff going on today. I know. No,
0: trust me. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it, no, this has been awesome. And, and this is probably one of the the deepest interviews I've ever done. I can tell that you really did your research and you took the time to learn about me and what I'm up to. And you really took the time. Like it shows, it shows. I'm going to go back and actually go and listen to all of your your podcast episodes. And I just added it to my my list.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Of course, of course.
1: So. so- Somebody told me once um uh they 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 said that they aren't a podcast listener but they listened to mine um and they said that there was a moment in one of the the podcasts where the guest paused for a second and realized that we weren't going to talk about work <laughs> and was very confused and then decided to go forward and he said it was that moment that that i listened to that i couldn't see him but i could imagine his face and his confusion that i just decided this is the podcast i want to listen to and i said this is the first time i was meeting this person i'm like okay that's nice
0: (laughs) wow i love that that's awesome and that's 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 the type of feed that's the type of feedback you want to get you know what i mean you want to be able to extract that type of content from people because everybody you know you get on these podcasts everybody talks about the same thing but on this podcast I've talked about things that I never you know talked about before so it's really uh it's really cool
1: how how are you feeling now like we talked about your childhood we talked about many different points along the way yeah
0: yeah I feel good I'm always I'm always open to to transparency like I feel like people need to know like that's why I talk about okay here's the things I messed up on here's some great things that I've done like I try to really keep uh, my finger on the pulse of what people really want to hear you know and everybody talks about oh I made a million dollars or I did this or I have 150,000 MRR which you know is great but I think it's really important to talk about uh, the other parts of, that make us entrepreneurs and, and business owners and, and creatives. Right. So no, I love it. I love it. Uh,
1: yeah. And also I appreciate you doing two hours with me. Cause I know that that's like way longer than most other things that you've maybe done no, um, no. with other people.
0: No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> this. And, You know, I only have one, I only have two more calls and I'm done. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a problem at all. My next one's actually at one thirty, So I'm like, when the time, when I looked at the time, I'm like, Oh wait, I'm like, <laughs> So it's, it's been a great experience, it really. Happened.
1: Yeah. So I'll let you go so that you're you're good for that call. Um, I uh, The way that I end is uh, I reintroduce myself and I say where people can find me. And then I throw it over to you. And then you do the same. And then we head out of here. Does that sound like a good plan?
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Awesome,
1: great. All right. So uh, hi, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us for two hours. My name is Emily Giordano. I'm a UX designer and workflow designer. And uh I, I I love this. This is so fun. I do podcasts with my fellow people and then I do my own projects. And for the past year I've been a UX designer at MetLife. Um if you wanna hang out with me or or chat or anything, my email is Emily E M I L Y at greatdesignlead.com. Greatdesignlead.com is my website and Great Design Lead is my handle on Instagram and Twitter and maybe a few other places, but those are the two main ones. <laughs> and uh, that's a, enough about me. I'll throw it over to John and then we'll head out of here.
0: Hey, Emily, thanks again for having me on. This has been a super, super dope uh, podcast. And I'm so glad that I was able to open up and, and provide value and a look into to who I am and as a creative and just as an entrepreneur. So thank you for that. Y'all can find me pretty much anywhere as John B. Saunders. I try to post actionable, valuable content that you can use in your day-to-day. And I'm just happy I was here.
1: Yeah, I'll make sure that all of his links, all of the stuff that we talked about (laughs) is in the description. So you can just click and go. And hopefully, John, this is just goodbye until next time. And it was really fun hanging out with you.
0: Yes, most definitely. Thank you again, Emily. Yep. Chat soon.